chapter 4, I want to read the first five verses before we have a word of prayer. It says, Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is an owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that he might receive, that, excuse me, we might receive the adoption of sons. Let's pray. Our Father in God, what a joy it is. We just sang that song, joy, joy, joy. What a joy it is to really understand and to be able to comprehend because of your sovereign grace the true message of Christmas. And Father, we thank you and praise you for your love and your grace as seen in the sending of your Son. And we thank you and praise you that his work didn't end in the manger. That, Father, he grew as a man and went to the cross of Calvary to bear the penalty and price for our sin. What a joyous occasion this should be as we reflect on the incarnation, on the coming of God into the world. And I pray, Father, and thank you for the opportunity to have this celebration. And I thank you for the opportunity to look into the word of God and get clarity from you as to what this all means. And we pray this morning and ask that the Spirit of God would have liberty with each and every one of us here today to be able to work in our hearts, those that know you, to better appreciate what you have done. And Father, those who may have not yet trusted in Christ, that they might receive the greatest Christmas gift that could ever be given to them. And that is salvation is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our heart's prayer. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. God's gift, perfect in every way, is the title of this morning's message. I don't know about you, but there's something about this time of year that you can sense in the atmosphere around us. Uh, yesterday, for example, um, personally, I, my family, we went and looked at some lights. Uh, we were talking about some traditions. We were at a gathering uh, with some friends and loved ones. Uh, yesterday and uh, listening to things that they do and just reflecting on certain things and it was absolutely great and as we drove around a little bit you see shoppers all over the place and it's kind of a different atmosphere <clears throat> that goes <clears throat> on at this time of year <clears throat> that's different but it's also possible I want to make a statement you know this morning and again Chris and I didn't talk on that he took one of my lines already but like Mary had to ponder the things that were related to Jesus Christ, <clears throat> that's exactly what I want us to do this morning, to ponder some of the things that will be said today and that we will see from the scriptures and really think about them and ponder them in our hearts. Because it's very possible to have all of the trappings. It's very possible to have all of the activity of Christmas go on with you and go on with others 
And yet, to do that without knowing or without having or without even enjoying the true message of Christmas. It's possible to have all the other things and miss the most important thing of all. It's an interesting time of year, as I said, and I'm going to be very open with several things here this morning. It is definitely a festive atmosphere at this time of year. It's interesting, as I mentioned, we went and looked at some lights to see that their house is lit up. I don't know about you, but normally if you drive around in March or you drive around in July, you don't see all the lights that you're seeing right now, at least in my neighborhood or the neighborhoods that I go to. I don't know about your area, but you normally don't see that. It's, it's different. There's lights all over the place. There is definitely a high sense of <clears throat> giving in the atmosphere that you don't see at other times of year. Here's another one that I like. There's a great sense of baking, and I love that smell. Nothing like coming into a house and smelling, oh, Christmas is here, or Thanksgiving. Or, it doesn't even have to be your own home. You walk in others, and that smell, you know something's going on. There's also a tremendous busyness. We're in this country always busy, but there's a, a different sense of busyness. And isn't it true there's these family gatherings? We know we just came through Thanksgiving, but there's also the contact with family and getting together, and there's this sense of family gathering, and traditions are galore. And they're wonderful, by the way. I encourage you, whatever the traditions you have, it's always fascinating to me to listen to other people's traditions, and we got a long laundry list of the ones that, that we have and, and, and so forth and many of which have been shared with this congregation over the years, and I've gotten you involved in several things so that you now have some of those traditions. But it's wonderful. It's a different time of year. Yet it is also, as we go through this, it is also a controversial time of year, even with Christians, because, number one, sometimes Christians are debating whether or not to even celebrate the concept of Christmas. It's a reality. And uh, what time of year was Christ born? Christians love to debate that one. Was it in December? Was it in March? And some of you are sitting there already and say, well, I know when it really was, and so forth. Uh, but when was it? Did it not stem from pagan practices, some of the stuff that we are involved in today and so forth? So you can see that it becomes very controversial. And, and by all means, what about this concept of Santa Claus coming in? and those movies and so forth and, and all that and, and so forth. And I mean, Pastor Dan, don't destroy Miracle on 34th Street. You're going to kill me. You know, I'm just trying to be realistic. We have all of this that comes into this conglomerate of Christmas time. It's just true. Well, let me give you some facts right away. And I'm not going to go into all the detail of everything I just said to you. But let me give you some facts that I think are important for you to ponder this morning before we get into our text. <clears throat> Number one. There is no mandate in Scripture to celebrate Christmas. You won't find it. There isn't anywhere. You might celebrate your own birthday, and we celebrate the birthday of Christ or the birth of Christ, but there is no mandate. We are not commanded that every year make sure you make this a festive occasion. Secondly, it was not celebrated by the first century church in any way, shape, or form that relates to anything today. It wasn't. And to bust a few balloons this morning, um, the specific time and date, you don't know what it is. 
There are theologians, solid theologians, that will show you that it was December. Now, some of you are already saying impossible. Then there are others that are solid theologians that will show you March and so forth. But the specific day or time, and I think that was God's purpose, by the way, um, as far as the, the, that event, there's arguments all over the place, but it's not found in Scripture. You won't turn to Galatians, or you won't turn to uh, Ephesians, or, or Matthew that will say it was this day, and it was this time, and it was this hour, and so forth. That's for theologians and debates and so forth. Some other things that we have to realize, there are some bad things and some good things that go on at this time of year. For example, let me take the bad first because I want to get to the good stuff too. And on the bad side, isn't it true that there are many situations of depression during this time? It's true. Sometimes it's because of the economy. Sometimes it's because of family situations. Sometimes it's just the economics or health. Sometimes it's the pressure of everybody else celebrating it and someone not celebrating it or having the inability to celebrate it the way they used to celebrate it and people get depressed. Whether you realize it or not, this time of year is one of the highest in our society for suicides because of the reality of this. We cannot get away from it. Commercialism is at its peak, right? Absolutely. I mean, they got Black Fridays, they got uh, bright Sundays or Saturdays or whatever it is. And Super Saturday was yesterday or whatever, whatever that is. I don't know. Usually I thought the Super Saturday, I thought it was a Super Sunday for Super Bowl, but I don't know. But the point is, commercialism is high. The advertisements are there. And uh, I even heard yesterday that, for example, the sales this coming weekend that we're still involved in is the equivalent of, for many, what is done in a month or more in sales. So it's a very, very high time for commercialism. It is also a time on the bad side for overspending, money that you don't have. People put themselves in tremendously high debt that they can't afford to put themselves into because of pressure sometimes. It's also a very high time of year where alcohol consumption is at its peak and uh, problems are caused by that. It is involved with greed and selfishness that goes all the way down to the youngest child because if they don't get what they wanted, there's a, a pouting and so forth, and it doesn't matter how much else they got. And by the way, I have eight grandchildren. I have five children. I know what I'm talking about. If you dare get two presents for one and one for the other, they know it. <laughs> They've counted every present. It doesn't matter whether theirs was this big and someone else got three this small. They know that this one got three and I got one. That's all they care about. And I know as parents, we work on that. But I'm just showing you some of the negativity. Well, Pastor Dan, this is Christmas. What are you doing this for? Hold on. We'll get there. I just want you to see the reality of the world we're living in. Some of the good things, I've mentioned the family traditions, the family gatherings, wonderful. Vacation time, praise the Lord. A lot of people take vacation time. There is a, uh, just a simple one, a high sensitivity at this time of year to want to help other people. You don't see the Salvation Army ringing those bells in March. And you don't see people with the, even in the newspaper, where they're contributing to help people out like they do at this time of year. That's a good thing, that sensitivity. There's a high sensitivity to gift giving and generosity at this time of year. That's a very positive thing. And people are more sensitive, whether you realize it or not, they are more sensitive to religious activity. People that don't know the Lord, they go to church at this time of year. You know, they might not go to church at any time but Easter, resurrection time, and the birth of Christ, Christmas time. 
but there's a sensitivity to some type of religious activity that people need to be involved in. That's a good thing. And here's the strongest one I want to give you that I think is good. Without question, many throughout the world, not just in the United States of America, but many throughout the world are caused in one way, shape, or form to think about the birth of Jesus Christ. Whether they agree with Christ, they've trusted in Christ, they haven't, they are caused because of all the activity to reflect on the birth of Jesus Christ. They sing it, they see it, even actors and TV and the programs that are there, they're singing songs in relationship to the birth of Christ. And even with all of the activity today to move religion and Christ away from even the towns and everything else, there's still the cause to reflect on the birth of Jesus Christ. And some of the last reality that I'll give you as we get into the text is that we have to realize this. At a point in time, some point in time, the timeless God entered into time. The reality is, the timeless one, the God sovereign in this universe, entered into time. The Messiah came into the world. And secondly, this is the time of year that it is celebrated. Period. And opportunities abound, in my opinion, to speak about the birth of Jesus Christ like they don't abound at any other time of the year. That doesn't mean we don't have times to witness throughout the year. We should always be witnessing, always talking about the birth of Christ. But without question, the opportunities abound today because of some of the things that I just put before you for us to speak about the birth of Jesus Christ. Other realities are that all men are in need of a Savior. All men are sinners and have come short of the glory of God. We've all violated the law of God. We've come short in all men need a savior. Reality is the savior has come. And in my personal opinion, Christians, all Christians are absolutely foolish if they do not take advantage of the opportunities that God presents during this time. Regardless of what you think about the timing of it or what, anything else. Because reality is this is when it's celebrated around the world though in different shapes and forms. So today, I'm going to consider it. And we're going to look at God's gift to man, and it is salvation. And we're going to look at just how perfect it is in every way. Now, our context. We need to understand, and I'm anyone that knows me here on a regular basis, it is very important that we understand the context of what we're talking about, even though I'm going to use an application in one of the verses particularly. But what was going on in the context? The reality is, we're familiar with the fact, most of us, I believe, maybe all of us, with the fact that the law was given to the nation of Israel. The law came through Moses. If you can't remember, what are we talking about law? Just think of the Ten Commandments, because that's what most people relate to. The Ten Commandments was given to Moses. Movies have, been, movies have been made about that. And so the law came to God's people, Israel, through Moses, and it was given to them. What people don't understand for the most part is what Romans explains, and I won't take the time to turn to the verses. 
Why was the Ten Commandments given? Why was the law given? Well, the scriptures make these two things clear. Number one, the law of the Ten Commandments was given to show the righteousness of God. Just how holy God is. That he's without sin. And secondly, the law was given to point out or to expose the sinfulness of man. It wasn't so that we could keep it, because we can't. It was to demonstrate just how sinful we are. And in fact, Jesus Christ expanded on that in the Gospels, because he took it beyond just literally what's written and showed us that you don't have to go out and commit murder. You can do it in your heart. And he showed us just how serious it is. So the law was given to show the righteousness of God and the sinfulness of man, according to Romans. And we also learn from the scriptures that man cannot keep the law of God perfectly. And James tells us that if I violate one aspect of the law, I've broken the law, period. So that if I say, well, I've never committed murder and I've never committed adultery, if I've ever coveted after anything, I've violated the law of God and I'm a sinner. Simply put. So the law came and had its purpose. And we are all guilty before God. And yet, all religions, even today, build their philosophies, their theories, they build their structure off of the concept of law or good works and doing things by man. But the reality is we're all guilty and need salvation provided by God. What had happened was, as the gospel, Jesus Christ came and the gospel was preached, some of the Jews who the law came to had come to trust in Christ. And as we get into the book of Galatians here, what had happened is they had come to trust in Christ, but now they wanted to go back to the law of Moses and try to please God by trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation, but then by, whether it was circumcision or anything else, they wanted to basically keep the law. And so Paul's writing to them to point out in Galatians that the law had a purpose, and you pick it up now in chapter 4. Let's look ahead. We're not going to get to this verse later, so I want to look at it now. Chapter 4, verse 24. I think is what I want in Galatians. No, that's not. It was our schoolmaster. 3.24? No. Yes. Okay. Verse 24 of chapter 3. Therefore the law has become our tutor or our schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. What was the law therefore? To lead us to Christ. Why? So that we might, we might be justified by faith. You see, salvation was to come by faith through him. Christ came to fulfill the law. And in this particular book, there is an analogy between childhood and adulthood that's brought into the situation that started in chapter 3. All to point out that when Jesus Christ came as the Son of God, he came to take Israel and the children, if you were, who were under law, to bring them to grace, to maturity, to adulthood, by seeing that God's gift in Jesus Christ was perfect. And he dealt with this comparison, if you will, with childhood and adulthood. That's the context of Galatians 4. But what I want you to see is God's gift was perfect in his son, first of all, in its timing. Let's look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4a. You can look at them. 
There was preparation for sonship. And what he uses is the illustration that, first of all, when a person's a child, they are under guardians, tutors, and managers. That's all in verse 2 if you look at it. When a child is young, even though he's going to inherit everything from the father, what happens is he's got tutors. And the second aspect that's very important is found in verse 1, and really the emphasis of the passage, that he doesn't differ from a slave. While a child, even though he was going to inherit, and the people of Israel were to get this, because they understood the distinction between childhood and adulthood. In fact, there's still the bar mitzvah today where a Jew at the age of 12, a Jewish boy, is brought into manhood, supposedly, at that time. There's a set date in time, is the point, in which somebody moves from childhood to adulthood. Our society has lost that comparison right now. And as he compares that, what he's trying to point out is that believers prior to salvation, prior to salvation, were basically without that adult step until they came to Christ. They were under the law. They were under obeying a law. But when Christ came in perfect timing, he brought them out of that to maturity. Now, what was the timing? If you go all the way down, for time's sake, ourselves, right to verse 4, it says, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. In God's perfect timing, the perfect Christmas gift, if you will, came. The first Christmas, if you will, was perfectly timed. Whether you think it was March, December, or whatever, let me give you God's perspective. The timing was perfect. When the fullness of time had come. The appointed time of the Father. God sovereignly, as he watched over the universe, why did Jesus Christ not come in the Garden of Eden? Why didn't, he not, why didn't he come in the 21st century? Why did he come when he came? Because that was the perfect timing in God's program. In what way? Prophecy had to be fulfilled. The people of Israel whom the law had come to, who God had given instruction to, had obeyed, disobeyed God. They had to go through Babylonian captivity. God had to wait that out. God had given promises of the Messiah to come, and he told them when the Messiah would come, marching in on a donkey, according to Zechariah chapter 9. And it had to be in God's perfect timing. The people of Israel had been through receiving the Old Testament and all the instruction from Moses and the law, and yet they were now in a period of time for about 400 years where they hadn't heard from God, there had never been another angelic announcement made, and they were waiting on God. And in the perfect timing, when the prophecy had been fulfilled, when the timing of the captivity had been finished, in the fullness of time, that's what it means, according to God's time schedule, at the right moment, he announced that the Messiah was coming into the world. And he came in perfect timing. That is why the Magi, by the way, knew where to go. And by the way, we don't know what the number of them were. We don't know. It doesn't say three anywhere. And the Magi were people that studied, and they knew. They could even determine from looking at the Old Testament. 
and from seeing the star as God guided them. They knew where to go as well. But the Old Testament said it was going to happen in Bethlehem. The Old Testament said it was going to happen not only in Bethlehem, but when the Messiah would come according to Daniel. And they could calculate all of that. And so they came looking for what? A baby? No, a king. One that would be born king. One that would enter into the world. They knew the timing. Everybody else was busy with a schedule. Everybody else was busy going about their business. Even shepherds were in the field doing what they were supposed to be doing. And God broke the silence. He had already broken it when he talked to Elizabeth about saying John the Baptist would come into the scene. And then talking to Mary and saying that Jesus would come into the scene and she would have a son. And now they came and announced in God's perfect timing that the child was here. It was a time in which everything was set in place. Rome was in power and now the Jews could have the peace and have the ability to worship. Synagogues, for example, were in place. There was one common language for the people. It was possible to communicate the message that God was bringing to them all across the world because of Roman roads and all of the other structures that had been put into place. God's timing was absolutely perfect in fulfillment of scripture. But not only was his timing in the fullness of time when it had come, but also with the perfect gift. What was the gift? Look at verse 4. God sent forth his son. God sent forth his son. What the law could not do, what was that? Make us right with God. It could not make Israel right with God. God sent forth the perfect gift, his son. I want you to see one other verse here. Go with me to Romans chapter 8 for just a moment. Christmas gifts are important to us. How many times have we gotten a gift and it wasn't the right gift? All we get a gift and we say, that's the right gift. And then the next year, well, that's the right gift. Or that's the right gift. What was the perfect gift? The perfect gift was the Son of God. In Romans chapter 8, I want you to notice this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 3 and 4, very important. And that's why I took a few moments here with the Ten Commandments and so forth. Watch this. In verse 3, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did it. How? Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that, watch this, the requirement of the law, which reflected God's righteousness, might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You see, what that law that was given to Moses could not do, that is, make us right with God. As I said earlier, every other religion on the face of the earth, any denomination, is usually set on the concept that a man gets right with God by good works. A man gets right, there's some probably sitting in this audience that think if I just do enough good works, well, how many is enough? Well, if I just don't sin anymore, well, what about the sins you've already sinned? How do you take care of that? Well, by being good. No, the law doesn't bring you to God. And God knew that. 
So he sent his son. That's the perfect gift. He sent his son into the world to do what the law could not do. And that is to bring us back into a right relationship to God. That's what Christmas is celebrated about. It is God in the flesh. Listen to John 3.16 that most people know. For God so loved the world. Put your name in there. God so loved you. What did he do? That he sent who? His only begotten, his unique son. Where did he send him? Into the world. Why? That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The celebration of that one coming into the world, the celebration at Christmas time is all about the perfect gift that came from God. Not something we can give him, something he gave us. He sent his son into the world. Now it's interesting, because not only is his son the perfect gift, but I want you to reflect on this. Most people, including myself, name their children usually after either another person in the family or some relative or someone that was precious, right? That's how we name people. That's not how Jesus Christ got named. This child that came into the world that we're celebrating Christmas about, do you know how he got named? He got named after the person that he is and after the work that he will do. That's how he got named. You say, what do you mean? His name is Jesus. Do you know what that means? According to Matthew chapter 121, you will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is Savior. He's the Savior there. That's what he came to do. He is Jesus Christ. What do you mean Christ? He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's the one that came from God. He's unique. These are all names related to him. They will call his name what? Emmanuel. What does that mean? You know, when I, they named me, Dan was enough. That's what my mother said, just Dan. I don't know that she really said that. But, you know, with your name, there's only one name. That's not true with this perfect gift. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus Christ, the anointed one. His name is Emmanuel. Why Emmanuel? This is God with us. You see, no other birth could take care of this. I love children. And when children come into the world, whether it's my children or someone else's children, I just rejoice. It's exciting to see. But this birth was unique. This was God coming into the world to take on flesh. This was God's son coming in here. And Matthew knew exactly what he was saying. Isaiah knew exactly what he was saying. His name is Emmanuel. This is God that's with us. This is just not any birth. This just isn't any child. This isn't something just for Christmas presents. This is God's perfect gift to mankind. It is himself in the flesh. According to Isaiah chapter 9, some of the names that we had up here. By the way, when I first saw, I'll just give you my heart here. When I first saw these, uh, and these have been wonderful. These PowerPoint presentations, wonderful, really helps. When I first saw them, I saw the brightness in the middle, and I said, ah, it's kind of shading some of the, the words. And then I thought about it a little bit, and I said, you know what? I'm glad they were done that way. Because when this person came into the world, he was the light of the world. And he made everything else fade because of the brightness that happened in that birth. 
And according to Isaiah, he not only was to be born of a virgin, but he was a child that was to be born whose name is, listen, the mighty God, the counselor, the everlasting father. That's who was in that birth. That's why Christmas is so significant. That's why the people, as they reflect on it, what is it? Is it all about presents and lights and everything else? It's about the one perfect present that came from Almighty God. It's about His Son, who is God. It's about His Son, who is Savior. It's about His Son, who is King of Kings. The Magi had it right. Where is He who was born King of the Jews? Come to Bethlehem. You'll find Him. Followed the star. Everybody else was busy. He's the Prince of Peace. Isn't that the announcement that was given? Yes. Peace to men. Right? That's what was announced by the angels. Peace, be, peace and goodwill. Where does peace and goodwill? The only way you get peace in your heart, my friend, you can be the most religious person in the world trying your hardest and if you're honest with your own heart, not that I know you, but from Scripture and knowing my own heart, I know the way we think. And I know the, how conscious works. We never know if we're good enough. We never know if the scale's balanced. The scale's irrelevant. Jesus Christ did it all. He was God's perfect gift to provide salvation so that I could have peace with God. And that's what Romans tells me. I can have peace with God because of Jesus Christ. Because he bore the penalty and price for my sin. It's faith. Look at the verse again. Galatians chapter 4. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Now, is that emphasizing the incarnation? I think it goes beyond that. He's trying to let you see that this was God's son, who is God, and he was also fully human. He came into the world. Born under the law. You know, that's that comparison with that child. I was trying to give you a little background with the child and then the adulthood. Anyone that's living under law is a slave. If you're trying to, that's part of the context. If you're trying to live to get right with God by obeying the Ten Commandments, which you cannot fulfill, by being religious, which you'll never know if you have enough, you are a slave to that. And the scriptures even say we're a slave to sin. Who can give us freedom from slavery? Anyone that unlocks the door of the cell. And in this case, it's only God's son. It's the gift of God. He was born under the law. Why was he born under the law? So that he could fulfill the law. He didn't come to destroy the law. He was the only one who could come and live it without sin. And he didn't stay as a babe in Bethlehem. He grew as a man. And out of his love went to the cross of Calvary to be the perfect sacrifice for sin. Why? So that we could try to get our way to heaven? No. And you come to adulthood, if you will, spiritually speaking, by coming to put your faith in the one who was born of a woman, born under the law. What is the greatest gift of Christmas time? It's God's gift to man. It's salvation. And by the way, in case you don't think that that's so, we're going to come back. i got two more things in the text here. Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians in your Bible? 
Go with me to everybody knows where I'm going to go. It's regular here, I'm sure. Chapter 9. I will probably repeat this aspect tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to who? God. Why? For his indescribable or unspeakable what? Gift. You see? That's why I love gift giving. It's kind of a picture to me of what God has done. He gave a gift. It was his son. It wasn't a present that we could open in, in that sense of the word. It wasn't something that was temporary, as we'll see in just two seconds. It was the perfect gift. Perfect gift. And it's the gift of salvation that's found in the Son. It's very possible for you to get 20 Christmas gifts this year and never receive the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind. It's possible for you to get involved in all kinds of traditions and enjoy the festivity and enjoy the lights, and I encourage you to do all of that, but never to accept the gift that God gave. What a tragedy. I'm looking forward to my grandchildren coming down and, and being with me, as well as my own children and so forth. But wouldn't it be a tragedy if some of the gifts that we have wrapped, if they never unwrapped it and got the benefit of it? One of the exciting parts is not just to see them open, but then to see them use the gifts as they're given. Well, God's given the perfect gift in Jesus Christ. But if you don't receive it, if you don't accept it from him, if you don't believe in it, you never get the benefit of it. Ever. And what are the benefits? That's where we conclude. Go back to Galatians 4. His timing was perfect. God's perfect timing in fulfillment of prophecy in timing with every aspect, politically, religiously, and everything else you can think of. It was perfect according to God's time. And I didn't mention it, but God's plan has been since the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, he knew the perfect timing. And what was the perfect gift? Not religion, not man's efforts, but God giving freely of his son. God coming into the world himself. Well, for what purpose? What are the benefits? Isn't it interesting? No matter what the Christmas gift is, let me see if I can remember one with my children. Do you remember Cabbage Patch Dolls? How many remember that? <laughs> I remember there being wars to get into the store. I mean, they were waiting. They were knocking everybody out of the way. There's one more Cabbage Patch Doll, you know, and everybody... Julie got a Cabbage Patch Doll. Honestly, she's not here. She's in Maine. It's in our attic. She doesn't use Cabbage Patch Doll. It wears out. And there are those of you that are sitting there, I can't wait to open mine. It's an iPod, or I can't, my iTouch is coming this year. I know the Wii game is going to be there. And all of that. You know what? That's all temporary. I thought Atari was the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> it's a joke. It's gone. Isn't that true? And you get these things, and you're excited about them. Of course you are. They're temporary. God's gift is permanent. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. He gives you two expressions of the benefits of this gift. Watch. He uses the word so that. So that, verse 5, he might redeem those who are under the law. And it should really read, so that we might receive the adoptions of sons. 
Two benefits that he mentions here. You see, God's gift is perfect. Its timing was right in the fullness of time. The gift was right. It was his son. And the benefits are permanent in order that he might redeem us. What does that mean? Well, if you're as old as I am, you knew what green stamps were and how to redeem them to get gifts. If you're not that old, you know what it's like to save coupons and bring them into school so you can get gifts and redemption and so forth. God bought us. He paid the penalty. He paid the price. The emphasis, by the way, in the context, so I try to be very careful, I honestly do before the Lord, is not on the curse of the law here, but the redemption here is when he's saying he's redeemed us, redeemed those who are under the law. He's dealing with the whole context from the slavery. It's what it is. Because he started with that. The slavery of, of the law that you're under, just like a slave with tutors and everything else. And he's bought us out of that. You see, if you are trying to live by law, you're trying to live, it's a slave to you. You can't win. Well, how do you get redeemed? How do you get bought out of that? By the work of Jesus Christ. He bought us. He paid the penalty. He paid the price. And one of the benefits, if you will, of accepting Jesus Christ, of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he did, is you are set free. You are free from the bondage of sin and death. According to Romans chapter 8, verse 1, when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, there is therefore now no, help me, condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise God. What a Christmas present. No condemnation. I do not have to worry about hell. I don't. That's why there's no fear of death anymore. Paul could say, to be absent from the Lord was to be present. I'm sorry. To be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord. He could say to live is Christ, but to die, it's gain. I win. I live here, I win. I die, I win. Someone who doesn't accept God's free gift, you live here, you're miserable. You die, you're in trouble. That's the truth. There is a real hell. God has provided salvation. That's, if you've got anything to celebrate about Christmas, enjoy all the other things, but don't miss the message. Don't miss what God has done. He did it. He sent the perfect gift in the perfect time with the perfect results. And the second one is absolutely astounding. What is it? He tells you that we, who's the we? Those who have trusted in, and he's, Paul's trying to get that across. Look at what do you want to go back to the law for? You've, you're not a slave to that anymore. You've been bought out of the law. That's the context. You've been bought out of it. Why? So that you could come from childhood into adulthood, which means what? When somebody was moved, just to take a boy, for example, because I mentioned the bar mitzvah. When they were a child, they might have had everything waiting for them, but they couldn't enjoy it yet. They didn't have the privileges of being considered an adult. But once that took place, the adulthood and all of the privileges come with it. When I accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, I not only was bought and I accepted that, but I now receive. That's why he says, we might receive the adoption of sons. Why adoption? 
Well, because I'm not a natural son of God, only Jesus Christ is. He's unique. But I, through accepting his gift, have been adopted into the family. And when somebody's adopted into the family, even officially today in our society, what happens? You now have all the rights and the privileges that belong to that family. And what Jesus Christ has done for us, he's given us technically the privileges of maturity, but the privileges of being called a child of God. You see, God, in one sense, is over all of us, but the only people that are the true children of God are the ones that have accepted his free gift, are the ones that have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, are the ones that have accepted that salvation have put their faith in the finished and completed work of not just the babe in Bethlehem, but the one who grew as a man and not only died on the cross, but rose from the dead, all according to the scriptures, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. So I ask you this morning as we close, Christmas, what is it? It's all about God coming into the world and taking on flesh to save and redeem man. Christmas time is all about a gift, a free gift that came from a loving God. But it can only be received and all the benefits can only be obtained if you personally appropriate that gift. You take it Receive it and open it. If you don't, you get no benefits. It is possible to go through this Christmas season and celebrate with everybody else and enjoy all the festivities and miss the whole meaning. It is possible for you to go through this life and enjoy family, enjoy work, enjoy everything that this life has to offer and go to your grave and spend eternity in hell. But it's also possible for you this Christmas to receive the greatest gift that was ever given, the gift of eternal life. And understand for the first time in your life that that birth was not just about a song. It wasn't just about lights. It wasn't just about family traditions. It was about a loving God who loved you so much that he wanted to see you bought for eternity and to be with him. And he wants you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ so that you should be saved. Bethlehem was about a baby, yes, but it was more than that. It was God with us who came so that we could have life. Don't miss that meaning this Christmas. Christians, Regardless of where you stand on some of the things I tried to be really open with today, don't miss the opportunities because people's hearts are searching for the truth and you've got it. And this time of year, people are sensitive to something that took place in Bethlehem and you know what it was. In God's perfect timing, he sent the perfect gift with the perfect results and benefits. Now go proclaim it to the world 
and shout it on the mountaintops that people might come to Christ. Let's close in prayer. Our Father in God, I thank you and praise you. Who, have, who could have ever devised a plan like this? Only you. Who could have ever packaged the perfect gift? Only you. And Father, as we are sensitive at this time of year, oh, we love to sing the songs. I look forward to the cantata tonight. Love the traditions, the lights, all of those things. But Father, none of it even has a little candle to the brightness of the light of the world coming in when you loved us so much that you sent your Son, God in the flesh, to come into this world in your perfect timing to redeem us from the law, from the slavery of sin, the bondage of the law, unto yourself. I have no doubt that in this room there are those who have not yet trusted in Christ. I pray that this Christmas they would receive the greatest gift that was ever given from the only one true God of the universe, from you, that was found in the person of Jesus Christ, that they might see that he came out of love, that he bore their sins personally, and that they might by faith appropriate that gift and have the gift of the sonship of belonging to your family. And Father, for those of us who know you, might we enjoy all the trappings, all of the events, all of the festivities, but why, might we never lose sight of the simplicity and the joy of that time when we trusted in Christ. And might we take the opportunity to tell others about the greatest gift given by the most loving God during this time. Thank you for this time together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.